0: Hey guys, welcome to another soundcheck. This time we have Jeffrey Satorius with us. Welcome, Jeff.
1: Welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Hello. Yeah, it's 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 an honor. It's an honor. How uh, how are you? And and where are we? Uh, where are we seeing you from?
1: Uh, I'm doing great, actually. Um, I'm here with my family in Guangzhou, China. Um, I've been here since end of uh, 2020. And uh, I've, uh, I've been touring here since the start of January of this year. And, um, yeah, it's unreal because I've been in a completely different situation as the world is in at the moment, whereas yeah, getting out at the moment, luckily, as it seems. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate in, uh, in, in, in China doing shows and uh, working on uh, on you know, projects as well.
0: I think a lot of... Uh... A lot of DJs and artists are kind of jealous if they hear you talk right now that you've been uh, touring and playing live already uh, for the for the vast majority of the year uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, and, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah I get that and and, and therefore uh, on purpose I've I've been uh, I've been holding back on my social media uh, okay especially because of that because uh, I think it, it, it gives a wrong impression like uh, look at me and blah 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 yeah. and that's not the type of person I am and that's something I definitely do not want to portray because we cannot foresee the future maybe in a few months we we can be back in the old situation like it was mm. um, maybe in a few months I will be back in the Netherlands myself and uh, yeah like I said you know you, you cannot predict the future so um, I, I yeah I, I I always said that I, I I consider myself very very lucky in the circumstance that I was able to continue that I would some of the things that i like to do most that's doing shows
0: yeah for sure i can imagine and when it comes to um you know the shows and everything that's basically where a lot of people get their inspiration so uh uh, during these uninspiring times for for a lot of people i guess you've been able to keep up with the inspiration or still because of the world being in such a um yeah messy place If that makes sense
1: are you affected by that a little bit 100%. Uh, When I got out of the Netherlands, at that time I was doing uh, daily streams, I made 250, so I stopped touring in the end of March 2020, and almost within the time frame of a month, a couple of weeks, I started with uh, with a daily uh, uh, show. Uh, first few streams on instagram and quickly i built that out to uh, to youtube facebook and and twitch and whatnot and i made 250 uh, episodes of those and in those episodes it was fantastic to um, uh, support a lot of new uh, producers Mm -hmm. a lot of different variety of music um, also kicking it a little bit old school sometimes by uh, yeah, I saw that yeah, kicking yeah, out yeah. the turntables and, and yeah. doing some vinyl shows um, but at the same time I definitely felt a lacking in real contact and emotion with people mm-hmm. that give a feedback on the music that you're playing so that could be my music I was making new music at that time as well that can be other people's music and then the only feedback you get is like a timeline that goes down and that is such an unreal type of experience and and yeah, I've, I've said it in a couple of interviews that also uh, with with the whole industry basically uh, forced to do live streams, I saw a lot of bad acting of like portraying that you're so happy and that you're feeling the music while you're just dancing in front of a camera. It's, mm-hmm. it's not what it is. So when, when I got the opportunity to go here to China and, and especially the first couple of shows uh, where you get that feedback also on new music that people don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very intense experience. And, and, and like you said, that, that is so important. That feedback is so important. If you are on the right track, if, if, if your music is gonna work eventually, yes or no. And um, yeah. I can, I can honestly say it's doing well here, even, even for the Chinese people that usually are a little bit more behind when it comes to the electronic dance music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and now on top of that, uh, brand new music uh, from my end that nobody has heard before that I just squeeze into some of the sets. And yeah, the reaction on that has been yeah, a little bit awkward almost because I've been to China before. I've been coming here since 2010. And uh, I saw people just going completely bonkers. And I was like, is, is this something I just want to see? Or is this actually happening? You know what I
0: mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine. We can be quite overwhelming after such a long yeah. time of, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And no I think basically.
1: this is for, for a lot of artists now uh, at hand. Uh, I think a lot of artists, when they, they're doing their, 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 their shows now, or the, the first couple of... Uh, freshly booked shows this, this is something that kind of you know grabs you by the throat like "Oh, i missed it so much you know you and and you you only uh, you, f- you really really feel what uh, you missed when you can do it again you know so yeah mm-hmm. yeah no so, for sure
2: can you maybe take us back to um to the beginning where did it all start your career yeah.
1: Uh, it's a long time ago. I, I I'm not from yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I try to. I will try to um, keep it in short a little bit. Um, I started as a as a as, as, as a as a young kid uh, with a with a drum kit from from my uh, my parents that I got when I was about eight years old. My dad has a background in uh, or had a background in. Uh, in in a jazz band as a drummer. And I think he wanted me to also kind of teach myself or teach me how to drum. And um, so I got this drum kit and I started to drum along uh, typical 80s bands like Level 42, Toto, um, Phil Collins, uh, that kind of stuff to kind of teach myself the rhythm and, and to focus on the drum parts of those, uh, of those, those bands. And uh, I taught myself how to drum in that way. And, and that, was, uh, that, was, that was really cool. I did some musical recitals on school uh, while drumming and, and that was really cool. And when I grew up and I got a little bit older, uh, there was a huge pipe in the Netherlands coming from, uh, coming from the end of um, yeah, the end of the 80's, beginning of the 90s. It was the whole uh, yeah, the whole house music revolution? You can call that, and um, that that kind of grew on and divided itself in house, techno, and in harder styles and less harder styles. And and the harder styles, when I grew up, especially in the Netherlands, uh, were very very popular at the time. Around twenty five percent of the youth youth culture felt. Uh, connected to um, that harder style of music was basically called hardcore techno. That's how I grew up when I was in, uh, in, in high school. That was yeah, a huge movement. My sister, she's a couple of years older than I am. She was a, a party dancer at the time in one of the clubs that we lived. And also at some, some raves, she was dancing. And when she went there, she brought me flyers and uh, posters. And some of them, they were signed by DJs. Oh, this is really cool. Who is is Dark Wave, for instance? And I I had this this coaster where you put your beer on. On the other side, it was signed greetings from the Dark Wave and that kind of stuff. And um, also because my sister, I I got a little bit influenced with that harder uh, style of music. Started listening to it. Obviously, my friends did as well. Um, uh, The rave scene became more and more influent in in, uh, that that area where I grew up. And I started. sneaky way uh, going to parties i was not allowed yet, but i went to parties uh, with some of my friends even on a sunday uh, that was a time that it was very normal to go to a party on sunday <laughs> <at> <laughs> one, one o'clock to seven nice and i have no idea what i was doing there as a 15 year old and uh, i when i when i went to to specifically one club there was uh, a DJ celebrating his birthday. All the DJs were there and he was playing. And I just found myself behind the plexiglass the whole night. I was just, all day. I was just watching what he was doing. And I was just really, really mesmerized by, by what he was doing. And I'm, yeah, a kind of a straightforward guy sometimes. So I just went over the plexiglass and I was shouting, hey, I'm just standing here watching you. Can I just go, you know, where you are and I, I can look from your end? And he was like, probably drunk or something. I don't know, but like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. So I hopped under the DJ booth and he let me in. And I was literally watching him from a bar stool the whole rest of the show that what he was doing, you know, playing with the faders, playing with Final. It was a Final type of thing And I was like, wow. And I, I saw the people reacting to what he was doing and the selections that he was ma- making on, 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 on the show. And at that time, there was still still cassette uh, tape a tape area, so usually the DJs they recorded their sets and they sold those tapes while DJing. And mm. I got a hand of some of those tapes also because of the things of my sister. So uh, those tapes I played at home, and I lived near the bigger city in the Netherlands called Eindhoven, and that had a, a very nice record shop. And on my bike, I hopped to that record shop, bought a few records which were comparable to the harder style. And I tried to mix that along with a turntable from a friend uh, uh, alongside the, the tape deck recorder that I had. And that's just how I tried to, you know, make make my own mixes because I didn't have turntables at the time, just one. And I found it a fantastic uh, thing to do. So uh, that was in the CD area. So now we're, we, we landed wow. in the CD area. Yeah, so,
0: yeah, yeah. Whole so, yeah. uh, timeline. Cassante,
1: <laughs> yeah, cassette tape. We have final, we have CDs. Yeah. I come through it all almost, yeah, uh, exactly. and at that time, uh, yeah, some of my friends they were giving school parties or they, they you know, they they, uh, they they had birthdays, and then also they invited me to to come and play. Um, uh, it was a fantastic time. Uh, I mean. Yeah, you talk about the '90s musically is is it is huge. It doesn't it doesn't even matter what type of style it is when, when yeah. it's from the '90s. It, it has something I don't know. If and, if you uh, would
0: have like one favorite style from the '90s, what would it be? Like one hardcore. one. No hardcore.
1: Yeah, it's considered early rave nowadays. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, I would say the the, the era '92, '95, '96, that era, and then hardcore techno. Is considered like, yeah, rave, hardcore. I, I really enjoy that. I, I don't have any um, uh, racism towards electronic music when it comes mm-hmm. to that. So I, I, my, my perspective, my, 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 my uh, spectrum is really, really broad when it comes to electronic music. And that comes also because of that, that era. Um, so I still listen to that some, some, yeah, from time to time just to, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. It doesn't frustrate me. So uh, yeah, I, I was doing some school parties at the time, and eventually, uh, also in 1995, there was there was a local mixing championship, and that was literally this big a flyer on paper, <laughs> black and white, with a with a telephone number on it. And I called that number, and I was like, "Do you still accept people for this mixing championship?" They say, "Yeah, we have one or two spots open. You can you can come." It's okay. We'll do it. Cool. And I hang up, and I'm like, I think I gave myself a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Know, I don't even know how to mix. I don't have turntables. <laughs> I don't have a, 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 a mixer. <laughs> what, what did I just do? Yeah. So, it happened to be that my sister regularly danced for one specific local DJ who got bigger uh, in the Netherlands and in Europe over the over the time and uh, he lived really really near to us his name is dj vince and um my sister because he, uh, she not knew him that well she had his business card and she gave that to me and it it, it had his private address on it and telephone numbers so i was like this guy needs to help me i called <laughs> him I asked if he was home. I think I spoke to his dad first. Hey, was like, hey, he said, you visit him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One moment, I'll oh, get it. He <laughs> had to come from the attic. He had everything on his attic at the time. So I spoke to him. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm the brother of uh, this lad. And uh, my first question to him was, what do you need to become a DJ? And he was like, uh-huh. it was really, literally silent on the other end of the phone. And he was like, uh yeah, you need two turntables and you need a mixer and you need an amplifier and speakers and of course you need records. And I was like, do you have all that? And he said, yeah, of course. And I was like, can I practice at your house? And he was like, sure. <laughs> wow. So no mobile phone, no GPS, no nothing. I had an old school map, road map. <laughs> roadmap, road book of the town I was in. I looked up his address, hopped on my bike, went to his door ring the doorbell i said oh yeah you, uh, you're the brother of okay 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 come on so we went up to his attic and there was like for me there was heaven i still get goosebumps of this yeah i'm not lying look
0: yeah yeah i can imagine wow <laughs> I, yeah. I,
1: and there was like heaven for me that opened i when we got to his attic There was full of production equipment he had amiga i think uh to make music with uh all sorts of um uh, plugins on, on on the side he had huge speakers he had a, an actual physical Dj booth in on his attic fully stacked with with crates of records everywhere and i was like oh my god i was like oh what is this and he was like go ahead I, I, I had no idea what i was doing i was just taking some records and just listening and just trying a little bit and he was not he wasn't he was not like assisting me he just let me go my way and I was like, well, this, is, this is so cool that he just let me do that. So I, I think I practiced like two or three times, like literally. And then, yeah, it was almost time for that mixed championship. So I had to go back to the record store to buy sufficient records to make the small set. Went to the record shop. I literally had a small blue briefcase where I carried my records in. I got that from a friend, a, 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 a blue plastic uh, uh, yeah, it's it's called an attaché cover almost. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's literally a, a briefcase, a, a blue plastic briefcase with my records in it. And uh, I uh, I hopped on my bike when it was time to go to that mixing championship in an actual club. And um, my mom drove there later. She was uh, on the bar uh, watching, and without any experience, uh, I uh, I made it to the semifinal. On that mixing championship.
0: Wow! Wow! And
1: um, That was fantastic. Uh, I, I I was like, that was for me really the first time that I could play music really loud from, uh, yeah, from 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 a, from a DJ booth without having a mom shouting, "Put the sound down!" Fire. <laughs> everybody <laughs> knows. This, uh, everybody knows this struggle. Everybody can relate to that kind of problem. Uh, anyway, sure. so that was fantastic. Um, moved from uh, that city to uh, to to uh, yeah to another city. Eventually, when my uh, my dad passed away, unfortunately, and um, after my first job working at the supermarket, I got the opportunity to work at a record store because it happened to be that all the music that I, all the money that I was earning at the supermarket, I was spending it in a record store so also to that record store that i went at the time i went on my bike literally uh, that took me i think one and a half maybe two hours biking to the record store in sweet lake and uh, the guy who uh, who was the, the shop manager at the time he saw me so often and i literally walked out of the record shop with boxes yeah so uh, they had a, so, some kind of a saving system that if you buy a lot, then you get like 10% discount, lure yeah, me yeah. in. But yeah, 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 I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. So they got me. But you have to leave your personal details then. So they had my per- personal details. And from mo- one moment to another, I got a phone at home. It's like, yeah, he, this, this guy wants to talk to you. And he's like, yeah, hey, it's from the direction. Do you want to work here? Uh, come again. <laughs> yeah, do you want to work here? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I quit my job at the supermarket, started working at the uh, at the record shop, and this record shop became super influential because it was at the time a unique combination of the physical record shop, selling a lot of vinyl, a lot, a lot of vinyl, and I'm talking in the days where you had the first releases of the state of trance, the first of Juno Beats, the uh, yeah. Chester releases that went Classics. through classics for now that was new music at the time and we mm. literally mm. sold those by the stacks by the stacks i remember one uh release of chesto i thought it, w- it was i think we only sell from one specific title i think 300 400 copies wow. so that was crazy and i yeah again i found myself in heaven and uh basically all of the music that i uh, basically all of the money that i was uh, earning at the time i spent it on on, on music and a lot of influential uh, DJs from the Netherlands they came to the show uh, under which went uh, one uh, very course to and I became their personal advisor in selecting their newest tunes every week wow. uh, to go through like okay you know you like this type of or you need to listen to this or you have to check out this and kind of like uh,
0: nowadays uh, DJ promo basically
1: yeah, call it a DJ promo slash A um, Nice. Yeah, that, that that's what I love to do. And my spectrum also at that time was completely open. I I didn't have any bias to harder style to techno to trance. Didn't matter. Uh, and and I think in that way you can give the best uh, advice uh, for in, sure yeah. and be what can be interesting for for DJs when they uh, when they uh, have to do shows. At that time, I got uh, I got I got to. Get closer to some of the, the, the DJs who were coming to the store, uh, who were still playing like hardcore techno at the time, hardcore techno, hardstyle, hard house at the time. And um, we, we became like part of a bigger friend group. So uh, at the time, I was doing a little bit of shows, just minor. I was doing a little bit of production work, minor, because that record shop was also partly a record company and at the time we were also one of the first if not the first online record shop in the world it was called onlydjs.com and that was going through the roof so we had a combination of a physical record store an online record store and a record label actually a lot of labels and uh, with one of my uh, colleague workers i started making music at the time Um, and uh, after a while, one, one of the first things that I uh, got an opportunity to was uh, to, uh, to make a remix for, uh, yeah, what was it? A house track, actually. And that got released uh, very quickly. I think that was in, in 2004, around that era. And like I just said, I, uh, I became part of a bigger friend group of DJs that I started to travel along with. If I didn't have to do a show myself, then I was traveling with them or I drove them. I'm not a drinker. So, you know, that's a safe bet for them. And yeah, then you start hanging out with them also during the week. Um, Go have a meal sometimes. Uh, You know, you you hang out. Sometimes you go to, uh, to, uh, to the cinema. And eventually being part of the bigger friend group, we were a group of friends of maybe 15 to 20 guys. And we also went on holidays. And two guys of that group, um, uh, they were, at the time, uh, still in the beginning influenced with uh, with Sander Kleinenberg. They were making music and, and uh, making music with Sander Kleinenberg. Uh, and they were uh, doing a few shows themselves as well on, their, on the different aliases. And at the time also, uh, yeah. Slowering down with, uh, with, with Seine Kleinberg and forming a new project. And uh, at the time uh, I was uh, at, at, at the brink of that project and that's eventually what started out as, as, uh, as Dash Berlin. And um, be- be- Before Dash Berlin, everything was more hobby-wise slash passionate, but slowly but surely becoming more and more Interesting and more serious. Um, I was playing under two, three different aliases at the time. Wow! And uh, I was playing for IDT, for Defcon One, for UDC Impulse. I played outside of the Netherlands, I played in Italy, I played in Norway. So it was gaining some kind of form of momentum. But at that time, those guys they were also looking for someone who could do the shows and while I was already hanging out and of course having a friendship bond and helping them with the music, they knew my uh, musical experience, my musical taste, my ability in that way, and uh, asked me to join. And I said, no, (laughs) I said, no, I said no uh, because at the time uh, I was doing on different types of styles of music, it was going really well. I played, I played on Mysteryland. Um, it was not all main stage, but I was part of those those events. Played on Nightmare in Rotterdam, and,
0: and was this I, as Jeffrey Bounce?
1: or yeah, it's Jeff as what? You, oh, nice! As Jeffrey cool. Bunch and Toxic as well. Uh, played on the Love Parade. So yeah, it was definitely going somewhere. So eventually, um, they got back to me again. You really, really do not want to reconsider and please join. So eventually I was like, okay, if I have to join that, it's going to mean that I have to stop with all the stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah. Which also makes it a little bit easier because I was basically doing everything that went from house progressive to trance to hardcore to old school to jump style to, it was, it was getting too much. I loved it, but it also was not able to be, you know, keep that up. Yeah. So that in a way was also a kind of a savior because i could focus more on more specific pro- progressive trans focal trends kind of uh, uh um angle and and that's from uh, uh yeah where everything bit by bit got more and more uh professional and and uh over time that um grew to something which i could do actually to to uh to make a living so yeah we 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 formed a group with three people two people behind me who were mainly responsible for the music and for me yeah to do the show and uh travel all around the world and uh, being of influence beside that in the studio and also uh highly influential for uh yeah the road to take. Where, where, where do we bring things musically? Um, especially in the early days, where there were not so many shows yet. I remember vividly that uh, my my girlfriend at the time she, she she got a blockhead from me spending so much time in the studio until very very late. You know, helping mm. these uh, these guys out with uh, with yeah finding new music. That that takes a lot of time. Uh, and uh, going through that and and uh, pick out the right uh, the right music for the shows and uh, yeah that that was it was a was a very crazy un, yeah awkward but also um, um, how, how, how would you phrase that it was a uncertain period because you didn't know where things were going at the time you know uh, yeah Especially when when we had the first couple of releases, uh, people were like, "What is this? We don't really know what this is. How do mm. we have to, you know?" People they 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 gave me a lot of shit for that. Actually, online they were like, "You know, we don't think this is really related to trans. We think it's cheese." Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, not nah, not for us. And over time, uh, that 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 stigma went away and people actually started to point it out more as like, oh yeah, well actually at the time, maybe that was something unique and still to the day of the day, I think when people look to something as classic as that, uh, they, sure. they see, they see, they see the value now, they see the potential. So, yeah. um, I, I had to deal with that at the time. Uh, I dealt with that at the time. It wasn't easy. I have to tell you honestly, but, um, uh, yeah, we, we went through it, and it was, uh, I think, around 2000, was it 2012, 2012, 2013, when I landed out of nowhere on, I think it was the number 15 spot in the DJ Mac. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> Something's going something, on. <laughs> yeah, something, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. something. Whoa, okay. Because this, only, this was the second highest entry out of nowhere in the DJ Mac ever. Yeah. But still higher than Martin Garrix, higher than Armin, Armin and Chester. Uh, so there was something going on. I don't know what it was, but that that's just what happened. I was catapulted into, yeah, n- not not knowing what to expect anymore. And and from that moment on, it was just yeah, it was just a, a roller coaster. Man, I mean, I have to be honest, like. A roller coaster and 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 yeah it it had fantastic definitely uh until the point of uh mid 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 2018 where i was forced to stop because of a burnout and i, I had to stop touring for uh, the better part of uh, half a year because i just i just wore myself out i i i, I guess i liked it so much that i just you know mm-hmm forgot everything in between you know and and that is something which is actually a huge debate in the whole uh artistry industry uh dj producer industry about like physical mental health and that kind of stuff and um uh, also because of tim avici it's something that people uh, and also because of robert harwell it's 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 something that people luckily are able to talk about more nowadays and that is so important so important
0: yeah it's it's, it's become uh, more of a more on top of the agenda if that makes sense as of late uh, whereas like a few years ago it was like okay especially when you had the big big edm boom if that makes sense around 2012 2013 when it really became main mainstream you saw that like touring just went up like exponentially and i think that's what you know um, not necessarily hurt but um, it influenced a lot of uh, DJs to say, like, okay, we just need to keep going because this is what I've always wanted. So we need yeah. to keep going, we need to keep going. So yeah. how, and I, yeah. and I think that's that, that's for a lot of people, a big thing right now. How do you get the courage to also kind of say to yourself, okay, now it's time to quit. Now it's time to kind of take a break. Because I think that's that's pretty heavy to do. Like, super important, but...
1: You know what, Joel? That's actually a really, really tough question to answer. And you know why? Um, This is because everybody is different. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the the easiest way to put it. Um, All the artists, they have their own personality. All the artists in the industry, they have their own wishes, their own goals, their own personal agenda, if not, their own character. And based on that, um, that, 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 uh, mixture of those things it will give you a certain sign of where you are burning out so for mm. one artist that's going to be on the mental aspect, other artists are going to be on the physical aspect, the other person is going to be in the creative aspect the other uh, artist is not feeling it anymore so mm. you're basically you're not enjoying anymore what you are supposed to enjoy. So that's why it's very difficult to point out what specifically it is, because for mm-hmm. everybody it's different. At the time now, I'm uh, in a, a still growing WhatsApp group with a lot of artists from the industry, a lot of people people know, and we talk about this because it's very, very important to talk about it. Um, because that was the first thing. Uh, at first, it was non, not something that people really talked about. Yeah, and very now taboo, actually. Yeah. But, sorry?
0: Very taboo, actually. Like it you, was a little weren't... bit
1: of taboo. Yeah and, yeah, and now it's more in the open. And and because of it, it's in the open, like I just explained a little bit, you can fine-tune of where the plot problems are. And if you're part of a certain structure or a certain... A, a goal you want to reach, then you can find a possibility of on the road where you want to, or continue cre- your career, or want to grow your career, knowing where the pitfalls are. And like I said um, third time, uh, this is for everybody different. Um, mm-hmm. For me, um, my 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 story is that I thought I could do it. Um, yeah. I wanted to be more influential in the music process, so I was pushing myself mentally to go more towards the production process and being more of importance in uh, the productions. I tried to really, really uh, force myself and and yeah, and make myself enthusiastic for that, even at mm. moments where I maybe didn't even have the energy for it at all, but I, that, that was something I wanted to do besides the shows and also having that extra connection with people with even more that I can be of influence with when it comes to music. Yeah. That was a struggle. That was definitely a struggle. Then you have like the physical aspect for me. I have a, uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that, but um, I have a, a sporting background i used to play soccer at uh, uh bigger uh, uh soccer clubs in the amendments but the youth divisions so i consider myself a healthy guy so i was telling myself all this touring from miami to china china to brazil brazil to south africa uh, uh and and from australia back to uh, uh las vegas to do shows no problem i can do that until mm. i read an interview with uh The where he said this was a heavy one. He was describing something of a tour, and he he said, This is this this was a heavy one. And I I never really looked back to what I was doing. I was just looking forward. And if I if I look back now at some of the schedules that I did, I was like, and I show it sometimes to people, I can imagine. Yeah. How how is this possible? So then you think, okay, that's it. No, 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 no. Because I also wanted to feel fit. So I wanted to do it. I saw it as a challenge. I wanted to do more. Uh, I wanted to be more involved in the production process. But I also wanted to be more fit in order to uh, do those shows, do that traveling. So I started to do extra exercise. So I started to do yoga. I started to do Bikram yoga, even on show days or after show days. And Bikram yoga mainly is meant to yeah that that is also a little bit of choice for the one person it is more of a, a physical challenge another person is more mental uh, uh, uh tranquility type of uh challenge where you actually you know switch yourself off for one and a half hour and what did i do i come from a sporting background i saw that as a challenge so when i went to the brick room yoga uh, after a show uh you have to go there. That takes you maybe 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes to get to to, to, to get to there. Then you have to be in time. So you, have, you need to be having your spot in the yoga area. Then you do the become yoga session, which is it's become yoga. It's 90 minutes. So before getting out, you already spend two hours, two hours plus of the day in doing something which actually wears you out more than the shows and the travel alone
2: yeah yeah
1: not even talking about checking new music
2: exactly
1: on social media and with other artists and also be available for the fans so this is it is a huge thing and i saw that as i saw that as a competition so when i saw people uh I was like, like you know, putting like <laughs> the, the, the feet in the neck and and yeah. on the big toe and that kind of stuff. I wanted to do that too, so I yeah, was yeah, stretching yeah. like a like a. Uh, I will not, will not say that, but you know what I mean. Because I also wanted to reach that level, so yeah. we were growing uh, with 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 uh, with, with Dash uh, in, into newer heights and in, growing growing in into uh yeah m- more shows bigger shows uh, uh more appeal uh more media um, me i wanted to con- contribute more to music but also at the same time doing more intense shows more intense travel and with that doing beacon yoga yeah it's not a good it's not a good combo
0: no i can imagine and especially if you if you basically everything you do you give yourself a challenge to it that you need to excel in it then everything there's no relaxation moment anymore i guess
1: well that's the trap that i uh, that that's the trap that i got myself into because i sometimes told myself well become yoga it's 90 minutes of peace you just have to follow the teaching for the rest you can you know and yeah, I can sometimes when I got, got home after a show, maybe uh, from Vegas, Vegas, London, London, Amsterdam, and the night of when I landed, I was on the yoga mat. Wow. And the other day I felt fantastic. I slept yeah. well. I felt fantastic. And I had the idea that yoga was the perfect solution for me. When I was tired, it picked me up. And when I was energized it calmed me down i thought it was the perfect solution for me to do that besides uh, the shows and the travel and uh, yeah you also have a personal life in between of that no you don't because you don't have time for that anymore so that's what i meant with you know um, uh, different things that people find important it's not that i didn't find my family not important but I, I, I could not do that also with it. No. So uh, that that was impossible uh, to to keep up with, and I lost relationships for that. I lost girlfriends, and and, and that 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 cost me dearly. Yeah, it, it
2: was dearly. it was too much to uh, to handle.
1: Eventually, it was too much to handle, and that definitely came to an outing in, the, in mid two thousand eighteen where. I got in a really dark area from where I say to people, like in general, if you get into those uh, areas in dark moments, I just call it dark moments, then it's really time to ring the emergency bell and you have to start looking for help. Yeah. And that's what I did.
2: Um, When you look back to, to your career, what's the biggest highlight?
1: That's a, that's a cool question. Um, I will try to answer that in two ways. Um, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Um, no, no, no
0: worries. I like it. It's great.
1: Oh, 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 always when people ask me, like, if you look back at your career, what are the biggest highlights? It's like, you already had the biggest high. You know, you cannot top it. That, that's what kind of a little bit um, lingers towards the question and I don't, don't, I, so I want to say, I don't see it like that. It's just one road and that road, you know, sometimes goes up, sometimes goes down, sometimes you go left, sometimes you go right. So that will continue to happen now, now as well. Um, on the other hand, you know, just neutral. If I look back <laughs> at your question and I have to say, okay, what are highlights yeah, there, 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 there have been, So many of, you know, doing a a stadium concert for 14,000 people in the middle of Mexico City, uh, doing a a huge solo show in Six Flags, traveling through Russia uh, and ending in one of the most polluted cities of the world, Dzerzhinsk. It's, uh, I think, one, one, one million times higher polluted than everywhere allowed in the world. Really? It's also a highlight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's also, also a highlight. highlight. <laughs> it's a highlight. It's a highlight. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it doesn't make me happy per se, but it's a highlight. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, Obviously, like you just mentioned, uh, Joel, uh, the EDM boom, I experienced the fullest of that in Vegas. Uh, when I did my first show in Vegas in, in the Palms, uh, I got scouted by, uh, by uh, somebody who started doing uh, artist uh, bookings uh, in a new property at the time. That uh, that was at that time the newest hotel uh, on the strip, the Cosmopolitan Hotel, and uh, they uh, they made a club in that. It's called Marquis. and I have been DJing there ever since, uh, also as Jeffrey Satorius, and that has been fantastic. That 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 witness of the EDM boom. I yeah, that's something you would never really expect because electronic dance music really didn't got a foothold in in America and I experienced it in a period where it actually did. So that was Mm -hmm. fantastic and it grew and it became uh, a stable factor for a lot of artists, a lot of DJs, a lot of producers and and it's still going on so that's that's fantastic. Um, uh, Chester and I were the longest running non-American resident DJs in Vegas that's still up to date. Highlighted. there we go. Yeah. Uh, uh, highlight is, is um, yeah I always think of Argentina oh yeah I, I can did, imagine uh, yeah. I, I did an 8 hour show 7-8 hour show straight for, for like 8 to 10,000 10, people who stayed to the end uh, yeah uh, South Africa uh, w- which has a fantastic uh, culture uh, people there they also love electronic music so I, I really always enjoy to go there um, but now also, but it goes very, very, very slowly here in China. I've been coming here since 2010. I, I, my first show was, I think in some kind of a beard house, some kind of a scouting uh, <laughs> uh, with, with a wooden floor uh, with yeah, yeah. two lights on the mixer. And that, those made the mixer so hot that I can't even touch it anymore to now like the most super professional high-end modern clubs with the most crazy light shows and uh, led shows you can imagine Mm. and i I, i'm I'm part of seeing that develop here in china very 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 slowly but that's going on and then if you see like club culture here in in china it's insane fantastic it's such a huge country a lot of big cities and the majority of the big cities they all have respectable clubs and those clubs they're doing a fantastic job it's not that I'm saying that because I'm here Mm. but every artist who goes to China has to say I hear that a lot
2: yeah Yeah. I mean if Uh, if you you choose one place to do a gigantic show what would be the best place to do it? Mexico
1: Mexico I I started traveling to Mexico uh, in uh, the better part of 2000 10 2011 that was at the time where the first track uh Dash Berlin really really got foothold in uh, in in mexico city and became huge and uh, that was in a time where mexico actually was considered super unsafe a lot of artists didn't go there or didn't want to go there or were afraid to go there i went there and i just met the nicest people who were absolutely insanely in love with electronic music and just were fully living that like emotionally, spiritually, in an energetic way, you know, at the time of where I went to the parties myself uh, in the Netherlands, it was almost like a starting point again, where I saw when the doors go open of a show, they come running in like, I want to be on the front, you know, that. And that passion of those people, it's still there. And that's why so many people want to do shows in, in, in Mexico because do you think it's a coincidence that there's an EDC Mexico? Mexico mm-hmm. is, is next to America. Why would there be an EDC Mexico? It doesn't make any sense. No, it makes a lot of sense because I think uh, an EDC Mexico is almost just as big as, as a regular EDC in, uh, in Las Vegas. And if it's not that big, literally, then for the name, it is getting there in Mexico because people, they love the electronic music. And they, they kind of embraced me for the person who I am. Like they, 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 they know that um, I will take a lot of time for them. And, and, and I know they give me a lot of yeah, support and, and respect back. In that retrospect, and that is that is a connection with with fans uh, between me and Mexico that will never uh, never fade away.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. And obviously, you you've had such a long career already, and you've seen so many changes. Like, what's what's one of the biggest changes you've you've seen, and one of the changes you've liked to see in the in the industry, in the music industry, where it's like the musical. Do- one?
1: What, what you see in general I already saw that while working in the record store is that things they come in waves yeah they come in waves of popularity and sometimes that's a hard wave sometimes that's an emotional or an energetic wave and that's also connected to where things are econ- economically are going better or worse um, I think that we're uh, in in a, in, a, in a type of uh, era now with the electronic music industry that it's 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 definitely m- mature, so it has history it has uh, like we call in the Americans fat on the bones so it's a popular culture, it's a popular lifestyle in a way and what you see now is that uh, although some styles of music are very popular and they are doing great shows and pulling in a lot of numbers of people, and a lot of the music is getting supported. Is that when you look back to what originally the music was called, you cannot follow that anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. That's that's where we
1: are now. I don't know exactly where that comes from. I will try to explain a little bit. I will try to elaborate. So, when I was working in a record store and like Carl Cox or Sven Veit was playing techno, then you know when you go to a party what you could expect. If you mm. go to a party now, or you go to a techno party, that's not techno. That's what progressive used to be, and even vocal progressive used to be. But in the time, when vocal progressive was vocal progressive, that was more yes. connected towards trance.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And so this is what you see now is that you see a type of fading of styles where you cannot actually, if you've been in the industry longer enough, that you cannot really grasp what the style is anymore because it's not really definable. I could have never uh, expected that techno, which is actually a minimal form of dance music, minimal electronic techno that already got popular in its own name, minimal, Mm. there we go again, uh, got melodic and emotional and therefore over time also got vocals to it. Vocal techno, yes. Yes, people. Yes, people. That's what's going on right now. So the things are like the better off. There, there are no more rules when it comes to uh, to the production side that you have to really stick to. To say, okay, you know, then I want it to be it like I want it to be EDM or I want it to be techno or I want it to be. It's 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 more dispersed it's more um, yeah it's more all over the place and and that makes it interesting because I think it makes it more interesting for even the wider people uh, of crowd and for the other hand it's uh, a little bit more difficult because if you have differentiation in music it's easier for people to follow to what they really like and at the same time um, it's a danger because when you have a niche it's ready to die out eventually sooner or later because mm. it can only uh, live with popularity. And the popularity stands by hype. And hypes go up and they go down. So I don't know if this, this whole story makes a lot of sense as I explained it in my head. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes all sense. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm explaining it right. That for you guys, I, it's also. Uh, I completely able to follow, follow you. Um, yeah. But um, maybe with extra subtitles, I don't know, in all types <laughs> of uh, languages, it's able to we'll follow. See. This, this, yeah. is, this is a unique situation in uh, the industry right now, as which still, uh, the backbone of the industry, so uh, then I mean the Armands, the Chestos, uh, uh, the Cole the Sven Vates, all the big guys, besides all the new talent, they are still influential. They are still running the game.
0: Yeah,
1: They're still doing their thing. They're still pushing. And that's fantastic. It, again, it gives me goosebumps. I, I find that fantastic because yeah, I don't know where that comes from. It's it is it is you know uh, yeah it, it yeah that, that's the magic of, of, of electronic music, music
0: yeah yeah for sure and yeah. and looking like towards what's coming uh, for Jeffrey uh, also music wise how um, how would you categorize the sound you're going for and also who are your influences and and how do you get like by in 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 how did you get by in the past year and how are you but looking j- forward
1: to? It's, it's, it's a cool question. Um, obviously, I want to cater a lot to my fans that have been supporting me for the better part of uh, 12 years. And, and that's something I do. But from the get-go, where I, 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 I started and where I'm back now, in a way, I have a way bigger, broader perception of what people can enjoy. So what I have in mind, also creatively, is actually this can I explain this and what I have in my mind and what I want to do creatively is actually already what is going at hand, what I just explained when it comes to the music industry. Mm -hmm. So I want to do, when it comes down to really easy answering that question, I want to do more different types of music, which are appealable to a lot of people, but do not alienate my fans. Yeah. So that can be. Let me give you an example. Sure. One of the three, one of the first tracks where I worked on, uh, completely on myself when 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 uh, like let's say for the better one one and a half year ago, I was doing dash completely on my own. It was a remix for uh, for Mayan. And he made a track. It's called uh, Cold Summer with the vocalist uh, Iken. And I asked him if I could do a remix. I, I made a remix of it. And when people heard it, they could not define it. They could not define the style. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Because it appeals to me. I think it appeals to the people. The people just say they like it, but they don't know what it is. So yeah. they try to box it in. And you know what they called it? electro prog pop. There you go. <laughs> okay? I, didn't I love think it. of that. It's not, it's not my term. Yeah. Rock but yeah. that's just how i wanted to approach that specific track so yeah. but my horizon is really big so i like uh trans influenced i like vocal influenced i like pop structures i like big room structures edm structures house structures i like techno structures but it mm-hmm. has to fit in where if i would play a show as jeffrey storius that appeals to the people I've been playing for for 12 years long, but also gets them a little bit on the bandwagon for a step Towards into the future. New yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because the thing is, is that what I used to do with my shows, um, and that also gained a lot of success, I have to be honest about that, is that um, I'm not going to say that my shows were repetitive. They were definitely varied, but they consisted of a lot of the same music. Mm-hmm. And I think we're now in, in the type of era for the electronic music industry where people also want to be, uh, uh, they want to be surprised, and because they want to be surprised, and they are open to step into a form of vibe. That's why I think uh, think that techno is so popular because you don't know what you're gonna get,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it still encapsulates you when you know uh, you go to a party, and that's why it's doing so big. I could have never ever predicted that techno would become so so huge i mean i'm super happy for all the artists that are, are specifically in that scene and also have been working for such a long time but i could i could have never predicted that ever mm. um, not saying that i specifically want to make techno because i don't think that i have the uh, ability and the know-how to do that uh, in in the right way that it should but mm. for the styles that i just mentioned that is something where where i have my radar that can be transient can be progressive that can be uh, groovy can be uh, energetic can be euphoric uplifting but can also be tropical the track that i did with with jordan grace no regrets that's actually yeah that's almost tropical house
0: what do you call it yeah exactly yeah Yeah.
1: because there was a a possibility to do so and 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 definitely the, the the vibe of the vocal pushed me that way to to you know, approach it in that way, and it was refreshing. It was a completely new, new uh, uh, angle to, to to jump into from from creative standpoint. So that was really cool. So I don't I don't want to box myself in. I want to box myself out, and <coughs> I hope that the people who are listening to all the Jeffrey Stories music, whether if it's energetic big room, or it's more melodic, or it's more pop structured, or it's more transi structured, that they are open to the story the story of the music are they and, and and what what i see with with the releases that have been out since uh the start of body warmer my own label uh first track bad days that was uh, uh, almost autobiographic so that 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 is f- something that I keep really close, and and, and in, in what way my, was it autobiographic?
0: Sorry to interrupt you. But in what way was it autobiographic?
1: Bad days. Bad days is about that even the bad days are good, and that you have to see potential in negative things because uh, without negatives you, you don't have positive, and mm-hmm. um, that is very hard to grasp that, especially when you're in a negative vibe. But it is some kind of a universal truth so that really spoke to me especially when i uh, when 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 i had my burnout because there was a there was a reason for me to have that burnout and um uh, so 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 bad days was the first track that i that i produced is jeff Satorius, and like i said for me that felt almost autobiographic but my story is not only my story there's a lot of people who can relate to that so that is more of a more of an auto. Biographic story, not a story. Is like uh, uh, um, uh, the the the, the follow up actually with um, uh, with Jonathan Mendelsohn. Uh, Nothing mm. hurts like love. That that that's something that I also can very very much relate to. And and I've been working with uh, with Jonathan Mendelsohn many many times before. And yeah, I don't, I don't know why, but sometimes yeah. What he does that kind of yeah, touches my heart, and uh, I think that also, if you look back to where I come from, is that uh, Jonathan Nelson definitely made his uh, his his his, his, his mark in, in in my career as a vocalist for them. For mm-hmm. So, I I got the opportunity to work with him on that, and, and for me, that yeah, that make, made made it make the circle round again in a way. So, there was also uh yeah a unique a unique unique point and if you listen to those tracks in terms terms of 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 uh not not per se creativity but point in t- terms of um where i was creatively at the point and you see where i am now you can see that there's definitely a growing uh uh from 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 there to now so that 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 is you can see that also for, for me things are you know still evolving a lot of stuff in life is a learning curve and and you need to give some things time to you know ripen and when you look, look for instance um a track on 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 revealed with with crimson that that is that is yeah and actually that track is doing fantastic here in china which is funny. Oh, really? because the majority, yeah, yeah, yeah. Majority of people here in China do not even know what it says. because they don't <laughs> Exactly. Speak, they don't speak English. So, therefore, I double think it's really, really good. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, that, that is almost like a wink to uh, an older style, more on a, on a pop structure based, mm-hmm. but still very danceable, but on a very different type of vibe as bad days. Or as nothing hurts like love. And if you look at the remix that recently got released for Blaster Jacks, that's really emotional, but that's more like roaring and more big room, you know, on the moment where it really needs to hit hard. It really hits hard, but still has that feel. You can already see if you look a little bit back at the minor discography that Jeffrey Julius has built up since yeah, now. That there is a lot of different styles that kind of move around there, you know. And mm-hmm.
2: I am. Um, I have a question. It.
1: Yeah. Drop it. What
2: someone would call you, like you called DJ Vince um, way back, and would ask you how to become a DJ. What would be your biggest tip?
1: Uh, nowadays, uh, this is also funny because I could also see that switch in in uh, where where I eventually grew into the scene to the point where I'm now make music. Now you have to make music to gain uh, yourself a form of spotlight, gain momentum. If you can create good music, or you can uh, create a certain amount of people if you collaborate, and because of that, that can be your first steps in. DJing, DJ where I come from that was considered more of a more of an art form where you really had to um, you really had to practice in order to DJ in order to beat match and, um, and that's nowadays with, with nowadays technology that's not so important anymore. So now I think people are more focused on uh, making music and then after that uh, I think a little bit more showmanship uh, in some ways I see that as in some way if that's not you I see it as bad acting so oh, wow. it's really important um, for people to closely look to themselves what am I what do I want so yeah. if you want a DJ <laughs> what is important as a DJ it used to be able to, to beat match and to, mm. to make really DJ. yeah, yeah. Now that is, you need to have appeal with your music because that's when your music gets played out and gets tension, that's when people want to see you. So I would definitely advise people to, uh, to make music. And uh, nowadays, obviously, that's not so hard anymore as the era where I come from, where you have to build a studio of 150,000 euros. <laughs> uh all acoustically to, uh, to create uh to create new music and to get get it all from analog uh, uh instruments and that that's that threshold went to like zero where you can work with fast tracker and, and, and yeah, nowadays super easy with uh, with, with uh things like splice and that, that that makes it easier but on the other hand making it easier. There you go with the black and white again, and with the bad days, it's good actually, because it makes it easier. It also makes it harder because it's more accessible to so many people. So how go you, How are you going to be creative? How, you, how are you going to stay creative? And that, that that question also has an answer. Comes to sound design. Sound design nowadays is really important because people then can know you for a specific type of sound that your tracks sound like. And sound design is, again, just like how DJ used to be, a form of art. That is something you really have to learn how to shape. I cannot, with the finger snap, I'm not a good sound designer. That's not my where where I come from, from a producer's standpoint. Absolutely not. Not. Mm. So that's another form in the creative process, which becomes really important nowadays to kind of dive in deep to make sound your own in a way. And that makes it so hard because there's so many people who still want to do that because the whole DJ and produce industry had so much appeal that it's so nice and it's all girls and sex and whatever. And which is also not because that's what we talked about. It also has a whole different perspective. But when it has that certain appeal, that is what people want to see. You know, just like people say, I want to be a professional soccer player when I grow up or I want to be a fireman or I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a doctor. That's what you see. That's where you go. That's what you want to do. And you don't see the negative aspects and if it's actually really for you. And that's a really almost psychological, deep, uh, um, hard question to answer because when you want to do something you really like, do you already know If you're really good at it and if you're not good at it are you working hard enough or are you able to work hard enough to achieve that goal and if you've achieved that goal when working so hard are you still happy with it yeah long question uh, Sorry. short question long answer again (laughs) a little bit of a difficult one maybe to to follow but uh, i hope you catch my drift yeah for
0: sure yeah so so, and and what would your advice be to because you've you know you've gone through a few uh sound changes uh if that makes sense uh Mm -hmm. and how what would you advise people starting out or or who've been in the game for a very long time to find their sound because as an A&R the question I get the most from a lot of producers in the last year year and a half is like okay how do I change my sound but also find the right sound that fits to the audience like you mentioned a few times
1: you know what my answer would be? That's give, yourself, give yourself room to fill. Okay. If you give yourself okay. room to fill, you can kind of rebuild yourself from something that you didn't reach yet because you didn't get that feedback from the a like, oh, wow, this is really cool. So mm-hmm. you have to accept, and that's for a lot of people also very hard, very confronting that you're not at a level yet. You have to grow. You have to fail before you can shine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. It makes sense. I think a lot of people, if I understand you correctly, like a lot of people are afraid of the failure, basically, to really kind of see what they can achieve.
1: I get that. Because also sometimes, like we just talked about, creative process is also a very emotional process so it's, sure, if you're yeah. really more emotionally involved and attached to something that you're making and somebody some AR said like what the freak is this shit you know mm. i cannot do anything with this it's like whatever or it feels like that that can be highly demotivating and that's where mm. you have to find spirit and strength to say okay it's not personal i'm not there
0: exactly,
1: yet we yeah. the ask something different for me uh people are not gonna uh Explain to me how I do it. I have to look. Up, I have to look for the answers myself. Go on YouTube. Uh, go on Google. Go search. Go ask. What What did I do? I asked the guy on the phone. Can I Certainly, practice yeah. at your attic? Because mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I didn't have that, that that equipment. If I wouldn't have done that, probably very 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 uh, you know uh, forward. Uh, uh, um,
0: Later in life, I guess, yeah.
1: later in life, we wouldn't have this conversation. So sometimes yeah. it's, it's a very simple, minor things, things get attached to and you get to a, a next phase in life. And I think for a lot of people, especially now behind their laptops and computers, um, you know, de- de- dealing with that that is, uh, is very hard. And why is that? Because uh, we're not that social anymore. Not really. I mean, what mm. is social media? is that is that social media is that saying happy birthday on whatsapp or, or an email or or you know sending somebody a, a birthday card or or is that actually talking to somebody and explaining like you know you're not there yet uh, and, and if, if it comes from a, a direct point where you can can look at people and you know you can even put the hand on the shoulder and say you know don't worry if you're if you're you know, if you really want to make it, you, uh, you really have to be open to fail. Then it's something you can understand. And then you have your exceptions to the rule where people are super talented and all right. of a sudden they hit it and they, they get a lot of uh, uh, attraction and, and attention, obviously. But those people are unique. And the last unique, uh, 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 most uh, iconic uh, person you've seen about that, I think that's money guarantee.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think powerful stuff being discussed yeah. here.
1: a <laughs> bullshit talk. <laughs> a, 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 lot of, a
0: lot of great insights for, for everyone listening, of course. And um, uh, for, for Jeffrey, like what's what's something on the horizon people can, can expect from your side? Like what's, what's going to be, uh, are you ever going to make a, a record in Chinese? is that is that something that that's that's uh, been on your mind lately maybe
1: uh, i i'm not going to rule anything out i think it it's it 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 speaks more for itself if i would do something in spanish
0: yeah okay hmm.
1: To start yeah. with
0: yeah so to start with
1: actually i am working on something so can oh, i not too much about it yeah, sure. I am. Okay. We, okay. Have okay. yeah. we have we okay. have a scoop yeah, yeah for sure. you do have school. Um, You got it. Um, yeah, yeah, we got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, we, we talked a little bit about techno. Uh, I do really enjoy listening to techno in the format as it is, as it is right now. Uh, I think there's an incredible amount of talent. I think you see uh, so, some some styles of music a little bit shape-shifting also towards techno. And uh, I started up a, a sub-label of my Body Warmer uh, uh, record label that's called... Uh, Body water, uh, body warmer, scuba. Because if you use a scuba, you dive deep. Go deeper. And that's what music <laughs> is going to bring nice. you. And um, so I want to, uh, I want to expand uh, body warmer scuba a little bit with uh, some new, really, really uh, promising artists and and some more uh, arrived artists as well. Focus on uh, new releases uh, from which I have a lot. We didn't talk about it a lot, but actually in the COVID period where I was in the Netherlands. There was a lot of time besides doing the live streams to make a lot of music. And I have been busy with that. That music initially was meant to be Dash But it's me, Jeffrey Satori. So that's going to be the change of the name. Still, uh, still continue with that. Um, great. Definitely planning for an uh, artist album. Uh, wow. uh this year that was already on the planning so i get something i definitely want to uh, want to continue uh uh and 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 i have the material for and and uh, uh yeah that, that's that's what's on the bandwagon a little bit I'm, I'm continuously trying to work on on, on new material uh, on a weekly basis i don't want to uh push myself too much yeah um because yeah, already with with uh, with DJing and, and traveling, I, I, I pushed myself over it. So and I could do that again, but from like a studio perspective standpoint, and I don't want that to happen. Um. So yeah, body warmer, body warmer, Scuba, uh, new releases on Revealed. It definitely played, sure. uh, some uh, some really really cool collabs uh, also coming. Because uh, although. Uh, I explained to you a little bit that I'm also on the learning curve. I see myself also responsible in helping out new talent in, in uh, yeah, you know their, their first steps uh, in, in, uh, in the industry and kind of introducing them as new talent to, uh, to uh, new fans and, and, and also my fan base. So uh, I, I really enjoy doing that because it almost feels like you're a little bit of a trainer, you know, like, you know, I can help you yeah, with this sure. or with that. And sometimes it also happens. I learned from these guys you yeah know? they come up with stuff sure. like, how is this possible how did you do that so it kind of um yeah makes makes each other stronger and i think that's very important when you do a collab i mean uh collab collabs. you know what i'm gonna say and you know this is true at the time right now uh, a lot of people say like when they want to find more exposure for their music they're gonna go to whatever dj and say hey you want to collab i got the track." So yes. how is that collect them? There's no exactly. Connect. Yeah. You're saying, do you want my music to use with your name, and then we put it on your label, and then we're gonna release it. It's not connect. Yeah. I like a collab where you both have creative influences to eventually where the track leads to. And sometimes you come up with a melody line or somebody comes with a super cool vocal and somebody arranges an arrangement completely from A to Z. Somebody comes with a completely different beat structure. Another person comes with a a crazy uh, sub sound that they want to use. That's collabing. Mm
2: -hmm. And that's where you
1: learn from each other. And actually, it's almost like a, a social experience because... And not everybody's the same. So you actually get to know people. So that's why it's called collabing, working together. So people who are watching, if you collab, go collab. Don't just say, okay, do you want to use my music? And I will finish a whole track and you can use it. It's not, it's, it's not collabing. It's not collabing. So, um, but it, like I said, I do, I do want to use, uh, uh, use, use my platform to, uh, to be a step up of, uh, of, of new talent. And uh, some of the arrived talent already. Because mm-hmm. I also see potential in the, in the industry of uh, a lot of new young producers which are, uh, yeah, they, are, they, are they are ready to roll. And, 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 and from that phase, and it's so interesting because we talked about it a little bit from that phase, it goes to the new phase and the new phase would be like doing shows. And then mm-hmm. it's, yeah. W- 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 what's the difference be- be between artists now, if it's a cool show and you're a new DJ, what is the difference? I think we're in the industry right now where there is an openness for a form of management slash talent scouting to see where people make the difference when they do the shows.
0: Okay. And and when you mean okay. like the difference, what does the difference mean in your in your eyes? Like
1: is it real? Is okay. it real? I think realness okay. will always survive. If you're yeah. just acting like a clown, and you're not <laughs> a clown, then eventually it's gonna break up with you. Uh, exactly. You yeah. know, DJs are not made to make backflips over, over you know the stages. Um, mm-hmm. I think we as DJs we have a responsibility in in order to give the people what they want uh, from the producer side of things, from the producer perspective. You want to influence that with what you are making creatively. That has to fit. And then also the show has to work. And that definition of what the show will eventually out, I think there's an openness in the industry right now that has to be researched to see where new uh, and emerging talents are making the difference with their shows. You know mm-hmm. What makes a, a new DJ talent then happen? A little bit better than another and also compared with the music they have and that they're making that's that's an that's a new part of the industry because um you see that there's a lot of label support for uh new producers uh, and there's a lot of uh, labels to uh uh, kind of facilitate eh? and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah obviously you have managements or cooking agencies um that have to sign artists, new artists. So how how are they going to know that it's the right artists that they're going to sign? So it is a little bit on the booking industry side of things, I would say, Mm -hmm. but it is really important. And is it important what you look like? Is it important how you act? Is it important of what kind of uh, uh, background you have or how you grew up. There's so many questions there that you can ask that can be fitting for a specific type of show almost. And that has to kind of connect with the music. And I think what people have seen for my persona over 12 years is that it's me. I'm not playing a role. I'm not mm-hmm. portraying someone how, who I'm not. Uh, I'm not the, 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 the super producer because we have said from day one that we're a group. Uh, so that that if you dive a little bit deeper and you look a little bit farther, people would have known. So, mm-hmm. um, But I always gave the people and I still give the people all the respect back for supporting something which I really really like and that is doing shows and presenting music sometimes known music sometimes unknown music to them which fuels them with a certain emotion that gets back to me and that fuels me with emotion again so that is almost like a some kind of a uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah i wouldn't call it a social experiment but uh, i do think that uh, um, you know uh, if you look at the event Uh, industry it it is highly underrated in form of how important it is to meet new people Mm
0: -hmm. networking
1: networking is so 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 important and the electronic dance music industry has such a huge importance such a huge role in that and and i think that's fantastic and that's why i also think it's fantastic that there's djs because they are connecting those people but they're also connecting themselves for the, to those people, and those people also to Jason. To, to, to that is, a, yeah, a circle in a way that goes round, and I, I think that's fantastic to be a part of. And for me, that feels something really as organic.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, wow! Again, like super, super interesting and powerful stuff. <laughs> uh, we're uh, we're approaching uh, the one and a half hour mark. Uh, which i it's felt long. was like uh, 10 minutes uh oh, there's so easy. many things I'd, I'd like to ask and i think we'd like to discuss but uh i think one and a half hour is uh, enough of everyone's time uh, i'm getting hungry
1: <laughs> yeah i
0: can imagine i can imagine well then um guy this is a great note to uh to end the sound check. then uh jeff thank you very much for uh, for taking oh. the time with us no and uh, I think, uh, you know, everyone's super excited to to hear to see more and hear more from Body Warmer, but also from Jeffrey's stories releases uh, on I Revealed happened. or on, on different le- labels. So, uh, yeah, we're super yeah. excited. And uh, thanks again so much for, for being part of this. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. And we'll see Bye. you soon. You too, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.